Welcome to the Super Novice Adventure Podcast. This episode is about one of my favorite things because it combines several skills I'm actually pretty good at. We're talking about building models and painting them. So, a few base things is, it seems like I'm talking about a lot of D&D lately. It's because whenever I go to write show notes, I seem to have a one consistent thing that I have more than a few notes on of what I've been working on and how well it is going. So, yeah, that's what I got. Second thing is, is, well, I really just have this one thing that I have not talked about yet that I have spent more than a little bit of time on for not just D&D models, but for other types of modeling and painting. So I figured that I would throw this one in there as more of a finish to this first batch of D&D stuff. Now that we have gotten there, let's get into the topic of today. And today's topic is literally just painting your models and building uh, grounds and platforms and stuff like that for your characters. Oh man, my notes are kind of all over the place. I forgot I did not reorganize them. So first things first is depending on what you're using for your, your ground, let's say you're building terrain for your players, you may actually legitimately have a few questions about what to put down and where to put it. I outright can say that one of the most interesting uh, grounds that I have used so far has been corkboard. That makes a great underground cavernous look because of the fact that the corkboard itself is irregular in both color and shape. And if you do mild things to it, you can get a much more stony ground feeling that looks like it's been walked on or flattened out. One of the uh, the other things I've seen a few people use, which is also something that I use for the base of my corkboard um, underground feeling right now is using cardboard or one, uh, not one and a quarter, damn it, cardboard or something along the lines of uh, chipboard. Chipboard is on the back of a legal pad or something like that. It's that nice, thick, uh, board that actually holds pretty well and it's relatively stiff i've used it for a few other projects before i got to the craft size of dnd um and it's actually pretty good it does its job very well and you'd be surprised at how much you can do with just chipboard and also uh you can even play with uh, structures and so on and so forth using pretty much only three ingredients 
uh, I would say glue some cardboard and uh, some type of foam if you want to play with structures. So whether it be cheap dollar store uh, foam stuff, stuff, words, cheap dollar store foam stuff with words, whether it be cheap dollar store foam or just anything that helps it out. There's plenty of things that you can use and buy to just kind of quickly get this stuff. My favorite part about good D&D modeling is that if you're really, really broke and you don't have very much, you can actually get most of the stuff for actually building the terrains and all that stuff for relatively cheap. And by cheap, I do mean sometimes for free. Go to your local corner store or Target or whatever and ask if they have any cardboard that they're getting rid of. They always, always, always have boxes. Every last one of those stores have piles of piles and piles of boxes that they're just throwing out in the trash. And if you go to them the day before trash day, they normally will more than likely just give you a ton. And the best part is, is that if you're consistent and you're lucky like me, who has a corner store that he can visit, depending on the corner store, also depends on the time of the, the timing of your visit. Certain visits will allot you with different types of cardboard than others. A great example is if you get a delivery from La Colombe, uh, they normally have about an inch thick cardboard, cardboard. So these boxes, these boards are normally standing pretty strong, which means that they make relatively decent walls. If you're building a, an outright structure for any particular thing. Um, well, now that I've actually talked about the model building and the getting stuff, I just realized I never once mentioned the materials that you would need. So now that we are several minutes into the episode, let's actually talk about some of the materials you'll need. Um, the materials I personally like, uh, the most are, uh, acrylic paints because acrylics are plastic, so they have a harder time fading over time, and when they dry, they're dry. There's no real huge thing, and also, it doesn't take long for them to dry. They're also relatively abundant, so they're pretty good to get your hands on. If you want to do more of a staining process, uh, watercolor paints aren't too bad, but you I don't feel comfortable with my watercolors, so I definitely would suggest that you would have to feel a decent amount of comfortable with it, because unlike with acrylics, which sit on top of whatever you're putting it on, watercolors go into and stain it, so they don't they don't cover up what is there, so therefore you can't throw something funky like standard glue, some rocks, and some sand down, 
and then throw like a quick layer of uh, acrylic paint over top of that. And now you have a desert battleground. Like you, you can't do that with uh, watercolors as easily as far as I know. Um, the next thing after you have some watercolors, which by the way, you can literally get the child's watercolors and it's okay. Um, nobody's really going to stop you. Um, after you get the watercolors, you can also, not the watercolors, the acrylics. <laughs> yeah. You can also get yourself, um, a, a thing called a retarder. Now, a retarder is a thing that helps slow down the drying process of acrylic paints. Now, essentially what this does is that it gives you more working time. Now, you would think that I just said that it dries pretty fast. Why would I want to slow that down? Well, the problem with acrylic paints is that it will dry while you're working with it. And unless you have it in a cool, damp place, it's just going to straight up dry it literally while you're working on it. A retarder slows that process down significantly so that way you can actually finish up the thing that you started before it actually starts drying. I normally put down a few dollops of retarder on uh, the palette, then put my color in, the, re the actual drops, mix that together, and then mix the colors together if I need to. Um, so that's like the things on the paint side. I also would say if you already have it, acrylic ink comes in handy um, from time to time. It's not a must, but I like it when dealing with certain things about cardboard and stuff like that. Things that soak up a lot of uh, ink and you want to use uh, water in the, uh, not ink. Yeah. Soak up the ink, uh, things that you want to use water and, um, the paint, like you would want to water down the paint to, to put in a lot. So that way it will go into it without getting too messy. I would also say, uh, anything like India ink would also be a nice little bonus. You can, make a little ink solution from several things. Um, uh, but I like a good old fashioned India ink, uh, maybe even a cheap one. It really doesn't matter. Just anything that is just pure black. So that way I can, uh, stain certain things without having to worry. Um, I also even like having a silver, uh, color within my paints because of the fact that metallics, when you're painting your D&D models and you're going, hey, that guy's sword, it's gray. Kind of looks a little bit lame compared to, to it having that little bit of metallic silver in there. Like, it, it just gives it that little bit of pop. Even when you do the same thing with a brown, right? You throw a little bit of metallic silver in there. Um, so, yeah, that's just my personal thing. Don't have to do it. But it's something I like doing for most of my weapons because it gives it that little extra pop. Um, now that we've gotten that, you need some brushes. You need some small brushes. 
got to take care of the small brushes. I'm not even joking. When you clean them, it, you have to actually wipe with the uh, the grain of the brush and not d jam it into the bottom of your bowl. I'm, oh, God. I've seen... I've seen interns do that, and it's because of the fact that th nobody's ever taught them. Um, you got to you got to wipe them off, treat them, uh, treat it like the exact opposite of how you're putting the paint on. So you like you're you're treating it like you're painting the the excess off. Um, it's the most basic way I could probably put that one. Um, also. Um, when you have brushes, get a variant of sizes, get some cheap ones, get some relatively expensive ones. Uh, the cheap ones can be the bigger ones while the expensive ones can be the much finer ones because you don't want bristles to come off while you're trying to get this fine detail. And then you're like focusing on that or it to splinter or anything like that. So if you're going to spin you know, a few extra dollars, spend it on the much smaller one. First off, it won't hurt your pocket as much because it's smaller. Um, second off, the small details, the part where you're going to spend your most amount of time. You're going to spend more time trying to get these little details than you are going to be on the big ones. So spend it there. Last but not least, you need a surface to hold all your paints and so on and so forth. Oh, not last, second to last. Um, so what I mean by surface, anything that you can make into a palette, I recommend actually just having like a little bit of aluminum or something like that that has a lid. Reason why I say has a lid, sometimes something happens, you spray, um, you spray a, a random piece of paper towel, you cover it with the lid, the paper towel over top of the paints, cover it with the lid. Your paints will stay a nice chunk longer because there's moisture in the air keeping it from drying out. Pro tip, remember me. <laughs> I know, right? I'm a, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. Man, I'm a, I feel like I'm just like giving a small lecture over here. Um, <laughs> last but not least, you need a cutting surface because a good percentage of this stuff, you're going to be cutting things um, for almost everything. You, you, you need a cutting surface, a painting surface, a surface that you can put most of these uh, materials over time because of the fact that you're going to be dealing with this stuff. I am wholeheartedly recommending that you just get a simple... Uh, cutting board if you treat your cutting board right you'll have the cutting board for the rest of your life uh, at least that's what an art teacher told me one time and I still have that cutting board so so far not a liar I'll find out in another 30 years whether or not she lied to me but I did get another cutting board, one that was much smaller, a little bit easier to carry, put in my bag, and also not just put in my bag, but also put on the table. Uh, it's a nice chunk smaller, so I don't have, like, whenever I'm only cutting, like, a, a miniature or something like that, or a small bit of terrain, I don't have this giant three-foot cutting board. Uh, this small one-and-a-half-foot cutting board is perfectly fine. 
on next um are some things that i wrote down in my notes what did i wrote down in my notes oh so now that we talked about the terrain um and we talked about the things that you would need which by the way when I was talking about the terrain, I was just talking about making it. I definitely will recommend, now that I've, I've just, oh, uh. so, since I just mentioned, uh, cutting boards and cutting stuff on them, let's kind of get into just cutting. So, whenever you're doing terrain and stuff like that, remember that everything has its own cutting speed. So every type of object has its own cutting speed. And what that means is that you should not be putting excess pressure on the cutting uh, uh, material. So whatever you're cutting, you should not be putting that much pressure into. Your blade should be sharp enough where you're, by the way, you're going to need blades, uh, where you're going to be cutting it without much effort now when i say without much effort i do mean the way i was taught how to cut things in in school was that you should practically just be scoring the object until eventually it pops off after you've cut it like, you really should not, like, you should just be not doing any effort. I'm a bit more impatient, so I actually put a little bit of pressure on it, but still, I I think of it as in the amount of pressure that you should be putting on it would be the same amount of pressure that you want to get when you're drawing a light line. So if you have a, a pencil in your hand, a, a normal number two pencil, and you go to draw a line, Try to draw as dark a line as you possibly can with uh, one stroke and draw as light a line as you possibly can. And keep going until you can barely even tell that you drew a line next to the line before it. So you just keep going one line next to another, next to another. And the time that you barely see a line, that's the one that I feel is the 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 scoring one. Um where you're just scoring it, you can barely see anything. It's pretty much nothing but the the weight of the cutting utensil. And the one the one two levels before it where it's where it's really faint. You can still barely see it, but you can you can very clearly make out that it's one line, but you can't tell where it really starts and where it really ends. That's the one that I kind of habitually use. No matter what, you still want to be on the much lower end of of the pressure. So, yes. And when you do get there, when you do cut um, your, your objects, each one has a different cutting uh, strength. So, some things you actually need to put in like a hundred strokes with a sharp blade and it'll eventually cut other things you probably could get away with cutting it twice i'm not even joking i 
I almost cut my cork board the wrong direction because the blade slightly shifted while I was cutting. And it turns out that I really could just straight up cut through the cork board in one go. No matter how thick your cork board is, you could probably cut through it in one go. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that, kids. Remember. Okay, so um, <laughs> when painting your models, there's actually a few actual tips that I can give to you. So when it comes down to any plastic miniature, so whether it be you painting Gundams or you're painting some other thing, um, you just need to remember that I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about right now. What the fuck? What just happened? I literally forgot all the words I was about to say. There we go. Found them. So, uh, <laughs> you need to uh, cut off all the excess plastic. So, whenever models are being molded, there's normally a bunch of excess plastic that is left on them. So, you need to cut them first before you ever paint them. Um, to do like a prime or anything. You just need to cut off the model plastic. Why I, I say that? Because the excess that we're talking about will show up much more visibly than anything else. So you'll have very obvious moments of it just going, oh, yeah, uh here's something that shouldn't be here here's something else that shouldn't be here and so on and so forth so you want to cut those off to kind of help you out a little bit with just the model painting because if you dig a little bit too much uh you can cover that up with a little bit of paint if you leave that sticking out then your character is going to have fins coming down the sides of their arms or in the middle of their breastplate or in weird, funky places that make no sense. It's one of those things. You, as a part of cleaning up to paint your model. And yeah, paint your model with, uh, with a wet brush, dry brush, whatever. It's going to be kind of a lot of things. One of the things that I like doing, but I'm not too sure how well it worked because... Well, let's just say I have a lot more drawing boards to go back to on that one. But one of the things I can definitely say is that having a dry brush nearby, a nice heavy or small-ish dry brush, to just wipe away any mistakes, excess paint, just looks a little bit, little bit chunky on that character. That character has been kind of gunked up his eyes are are covered up you can't see his facial features or the scales of that beast that were very prominent before you started painting now they're much smoother get a dry brush while while the paint's still wet and just brush it off just brush it off especially when you're doing the prime coat because the prime coat is going to be the coat that you put the most paint on without really paying attention I got into the habit of, while priming, brushing them with a decent level of paint. 
and then brushing off any excess, waiting for that to dry a little bit, brushing them again, and then brushing off any excess. Just doing that repeatedly to kind of even out a nice chunks of the coats and just even out everything. Um, and it even is a great temp if you have a clear model. So I notice every now and then you get clear models with D&D things. And if you brush off the excess, so if you brush on with a, a, a nice little wet brush, just brush on a bunch of color and then brush off the excess excessively, you'll get um, this thing that essentially allows for the color to bleed in underneath it. And um, you'll see a much stronger color of, you'll see a much stronger bit of the clearness underneath the color that was there. So it really is a nice little little bonus that you can get. Thank me later. Mm. I have no idea what I'm doing anymore. Where is my life? How did I get here? This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful life. It's the same as it ever was. I don't know the rest of the words. Um. Oh, yeah. Okay, so now that we've kind of gone over the model painting, which, by the way, um, chunking is by far one of the best ways to go about model painting. If you're having uh, difficulty starting on a large project. So a uh, great example what I mean is, well, all your characters, all your player characters need base coats. So give them all base coats. All your enemy characters need base coats. Give them all base coats at the same time. Everybody gets a base coat at the same time. Um, you don't have to paint everybody at the same time. But, you know, if you know what A needs and B needs and they all need the same thing, and there's no point in turning them into four or five separate events, well then, just get them all the same thing at the same time. Boom! You've just saved yourself some time and life force. Um, oh, damn. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm running on twos and threes and fours and fives and six and... <laughs> okay, so, um... This is the part where I start talking about uh, the modeling. Now, modeling is by far one of the most difficult things for me because of the fact that I am weird when it comes down to building things. I do not know where to start in a lot of cases. And when I do know where to start in a lot of cases, I have no idea how to get there. So uh, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite things about modeling. Cheating. I love it. Oh my god, it feels so good when you cheat. Um, not even joking, no, seriously. Cheat as much as you possibly can. So, I am currently making hex grid uh, model uh, platforms for my characters. And I just went out to the store and bought one inch wide. So, one inch from one one side to the other and one and a quarter inch from one side to the other um hex 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 nuts there we go hex nuts um why 
because of the fact that I didn't feel like going through that work. I literally tried prototyping a hex grid and it just failed multiple times. I'm not even joking. I just failed at making one inch uh, grids without them being some type of funky. So I just, I just like, screw it. I'll just buy a hex nut. Somebody makes this. I'm just going to buy it. And that's actually my big tip is that if somebody already makes something that you can use as a template, an outline or this, that, or the other, just, you know, use that instead as your base. Who's going, who's going to know besides my players that listen to this podcast that I literally took a hex nut, traced around it, took that trace and traced it onto corkboard like a half a dozen times and then cut that out. Like, who's going to know besides my players that listen to this? It is wonderful because by the end of the day, at the, at the end of it, the only difference between A and B is that one was effort that I didn't need to put into it and the other one is effort that I didn't have to put into it. I have more time to make more stuff. I can... I don't know, get a cup of coffee in between that and just relax or even take a nap, one or the other. But yeah, you get what I'm saying. Cheat whenever you possibly can. If there's a thing that you don't need to outright do, then don't outright do it because, you know, reasons. If you have chicken wire lying around your house and you're going, how do I make like this weird pattern on a thing? Take your piece of chicken wire and spray over it or paint over it like literally paint over your chicken wire on your thing and now you've come up with like some industrial looking pattern where it has these pieces that lead to one thing and another whatever man whatever just use your imagination and feel free Reach over and grab that thing that you need to grab. So that way you can move stuff along. And actually, while you're reaching over to grab that thing that you need to grab, is there like four or five other things in front of it? Like, just a bunch of stuff? Because if there is, your workspace is probably a huge flipping mess, and you're probably failing at getting as much done as you would like. I am not even joking. This is a huge hindrance to me. It I I, I couldn't even tell you how many times I have started a project and ended it with me cleaning a bunch of stuff and getting step one written down on a piece of paper and literally not having enough time to do anything else. So you... Having a nice, clean workspace when you go to work on your project, God-saving grace. Like, I'm not even joking. Um, it is a saving grace, and you will be able to rain death from the heavens with your lightning spear in hand in your giant mech that allows you to transform into girls because Tokyo Mew Mew. Mew Mew Power, Mew Mew Grace. So, um, yeah, having a nice 
smooth, clear uh, format that just makes things easier for you is a great place to start. It actually helps you in most cases and it prevents you from having the problem of clutter. When you have a bunch of clutter happening at once, the only thing that happens is that you don't actually get to get any work done. But if you have the work cleared and everything just cleared up, then you can actually get stuff done way faster. You don't have to look for everything. And mind you, while you're working, you will end up like putting stuff like just on the table and in the way. Whenever you get finished any particular part of your project, you can always clean up. When I was talking about the batching with painting the models before, okay, well, you left like four or five brushes kind of scattered around, but all the models have gotten their base coat. Maybe round one of their base coat. You've already dry brushed most of them. Cool. Time to take them all, clean them off real quick, put them up. Put up the the, the exacto knife that you pulled out because you missed the spot and you was chipping that off before you finish. Put that up. Put up all the things while you're working. And then start up a step two. Remember, remember, remember. It's not a race. It's not a competition. You have plenty of time and allow your creativity to flow. And creativity has a hard time flowing when there's a bunch of stuff in a way. Think of it like a dam. Every object that you leave lying scattered around in front of you just kind of leaves you with a bunch of stuff that you now have to deal with. And, well, nothing ruins a creative mind more than having to deal with more problems. So, get that stuff out the way. Move it! Yeah. And, um... Oh my god. I almost forgot about the terrain problem I had. So, here I am. I am building the terrain. It is a nice chunk too big. And I thought it was going to kind of work out. And it doesn't feel like it's going to work out. I'm looking at it. I'm playing with it. Going, this is just too big. It's just far too big for what I want. And, well, it is. But even worse was that I cut the actual material I was going to use, which I got for free, so I didn't have to spend money on. But I also want to get the job done before I need to buy more. I cut that before I found out that I need to change something not even joking prototype as cheap as you can prototype everything prototype it all the way through and you can prototype it with a, a myriad of things my big thing is i would use um relatively thin uh chipboard or thick uh, magazine covers or something like that and just use that um, if it's already trash anyway why not 
the boxes that I was talking about that you get from what whoever. If there's one that you just feel like it's kind of garbage or a little bit too thin for the thing that you're working on, or maybe too thick, um, I always say thinner better because it's easier to cut. Um, like, just feel free to actually use that one. Use that one to prototype. So, mark, like, cut it out to the size that you're trying to get it to. Mark it, mark it as what it's supposed to be. And then keep going, like see where you need certain pieces. Uh, a great example, again, that hex that I'm talking about, I realized that it was too big for the original size, which by the way, I'm changing from a thing I got off a of Wylock, a YouTuber who does beautiful modeling stuff i'm not even joking if you want to see like some creative and amazing stuff check out wylock uh but like i'm like messing around with something that he did and i took the measurements but then i didn't prototype the hexes in like an actual environment that would make sense ah, God. Baka. So yeah, now I've wasted materials, like a nice chunk of them, and it's a thing that I'm going, well, do I now cut up the board or do I cut down the hexes? Which one? So yeah, prototype as much as you can. Get that paper in there. Don't be afraid to prototype and don't be too lazy to prototype. Because prototyping, you never know when prototyping will be in your favor. But you do know that prototyping, you do know that prototyping will save you time and effort. Man, brain, freezing. Okay, I'm going to drink the other half of my cup of coffee that I grabbed hours ago. And... Get back upstairs and finish cutting these models and terrain into the things that I desire. While I do that, I hope that you guys are staying creative and having fun out there. This is Be Hannibal. Yeah, I'm talking off of camera. Mic, yeah. Mic drop. Lights. This is Be Hannibal. Signing out.